You are listening to Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Good morning. God is good. In the first service, Candace was making that announcement uh, about uh, Father's Day car show, and she said there's going to be lots of booths. Oh. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if she said lots of booths for a moment. No. <laughs> it means there's going to be lots of food booths, B-O-O-T-H. <laughs> Good morning. I, I don't know where you're at in the service right now. I don't know if you're like, oh my goodness, I really am done, or if you're excited to hear uh, what I'm about to say. Uh, but wherever you're at, I just want to sort of take a second and have you raised your level of expectation that God is in fact going to talk to you this morning. Uh, because I, I'm up here, but I'm up here simply as um, someone who desires to encourage you and to uh, speak to you from the Lord. Uh, and, and what I'm going to talk about today is very simple, but it's going to encourage you no matter if you're new to the faith, if you're exploring and not so sure about Christ, or if you've been in the house for a long time, today, today is for you. And, 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 and so it's not that I'm going to bring you something great. It's because we're coming to the master, to the King of Kings, uh, and he's the one that always, always, always meets anyone who wants to meet with him. So uh, I just want to encourage you just sort of say, God, would you speak to me this morning? Would, would, you, would you open up my heart? Would you prepare um, whatever you have? I want it. Just kind of say that to him in your heart this morning. Uh, I love being a part of this church. Uh, Quinity is a neat church. God is doing some really incredible things uh, as he always does, but it's a sweet season right now. There's, there's no doubt that, that uh, there's some neat things that are happening specifically right now uh, in, in Koinonia that God is doing. And church is interesting because it, in every service on a Sunday morning, uh, there's people that are here like every week. There's people that are here because they're visiting families uh, and they're kind of coming through. And you just never, it's so much, you never really know who's in service on any, given, on any given Sunday. And so you should never take for granted who's sitting around you and who's in the house. Uh, you should always have this expectation that, that God, it, he wants to use you to encourage other people. He wants you to use your smile. Uh, he, he, he just, he sees you uh, in this moment, in this place. I heard a story just, uh, just recently about uh, a young lady who was in service. The, uh, she was the only time she was in service at Koinonia. She was a foreign exchange student. She was getting ready to go back home uh, to the country she came from. Didn't believe in the Lord. She's an atheist. Um, and she went to, the, on Saturday night, got invited to go to uh, a sleepover at a friend's house. And at that friend's house, it was the rule that if you came over on Saturday Saturday night uh, for the sleepover, you had to go to church the next morning. And uh, they said, okay, well, fine, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, so they, they came to church, the group came to church, and this young lady, something just touched her heart. The Lord just ministered to her. Um, and, uh, and on the way home, um, I actually, I think it was on the way to the airport as this person went to drop this person off to go back to their home country, they began to cry, and she led her to the Lord because she needed it. And, and you, you, you just never know. Um, you never know how God's going to use you, your words, the people that are in front of you. Um, parents, don't underestimate the importance of your words to your kids, the moments that, that you have with them. Uh, don't underestimate the moments you have with your coworkers. Don't, the people that are around us are really uh, a gift from the Lord. And so if, you, if you're a Christ follower, don't, don't go to sleep because God wants to use you. And you never know when those moments are going to be. You never know when those moments of opportunity are, but he, he, will, always, he will always surprise you with his goodness and, and how he'll use you. Um, let me just tell you a couple of things uh, before I get into the message today. Um, I want to invite you out to prayer on Friday mornings. Uh, we meet here in the house for all church prayer at 6.30 a.m. on Fridays. And you might say, oh, wow. Would you please not mention that again, 6.30 a.m.? Uh, I'm, I'm reminding you because you forgot. I'm reminding you because you want to pretend like it doesn't happen. I'm reminding you because uh, it is summertime, and so for many of us, that does mean a schedule change. And so, so for a lot of you who are parents, it means your morning uh, time is actually a little bit freer, and you can leave those kids sleeping in their beds, and you can actually come and pray with us. Uh, and you will be surprised. If you, if you have not attended, uh, you will be surprised at how wonderful 
role uh, it is, just to meet with the Lord. If you set aside that, that little time, that 60 minutes, it flies by. We have a little worship, which is always incredible. Uh, and then we have a time of prayer. And, uh, and every single time, even when I go feeling like, man, here, I, I just got to do this again. I don't feel like it. Every single time, there's something that happens when you go to meet with the Lord that at the end of the time, you go, thank God that I, that I spent this time. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're hungry, if you want to press into the Lord, if you're feeling like, hey, I need to, I need to, to stir myself up, I need to press in a little bit, that's a wonderful way to do it. It's a wonderful way to, to learn how to pray, uh, to begin to build a prayer habit. So come out on, on any Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. Some people come and they have to leave early because they have work and things. So just, just feel free to drop in uh, and, and you will enjoy yourself. Secondly, I want to let you know that next week, Pastor Ricky Hemi, who is the pastor of uh, South Valley Community Church, is going to be here preaching. I'm going to be preaching at his church, so we're going to sort of uh, change pulpits. We, we joke, our joke is, uh, you know, we have to ch uh, switch pulpit, pulpits every once in a while because we have to go say hi to the people that used to be in our church. Um, they're over at another church. So Pastor Ricky will be here next week. It's going to be a great time, uh, but I just want to ask you, he's a Baptist guy. So in Baptist churches, there's not a lot of noise. Uh, so I want you guys to make a lot of noise <laughs> next week, all right? You talk back at him, you know, you, you sort of really cheer, give him the amens, give him the applause. He won't know what to do with it. So see if you can throw him off his game uh, next week. He, he, you, you'll really enjoy it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great time uh, as Pastor Ricky is here. Okay, let me talk to you this morning about being a disciple. I want to talk to you about the life of a disciple. Whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been following Christ for, for 50 years, I believe this message, though it's very simple, is going to challenge you and it's going to encourage you this morning. Um, because uh, we are not, as followers of Jesus, we are not, and we say this all the time, but I, I just want you to think about it for a second. We're not in a religion. We're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and the, the thing is, is that we make the mistake over and over again of falling back into religion, of falling back into, into tradition. And we constantly struggle with this cultural Christianity that ends up being about the way that we behave and talk and the people that we hang around with and not really about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and Christianity is not a set of beliefs that you just believe. It's, it's not a set of values that you hold. It's not a, a set of things that you do. Christianity is 100% about following Jesus Christ. And it's about the relationship that we have with him. Um, and it's so critical for us to understand what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a disciple. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says, follow me, speaking to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, follow me. Would you say, follow me? follow me? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the question for us, of course, is what does it mean to follow Jesus? Does it, does it mean you have to show up on, to church on Sunday? Does it mean you have to dress a certain way? Does it mean you have to say certain words? I mean, we get really good about a lot of things that are external to our faith, but following Jesus is not about all of those things. It's about an in-depth relationship with the Master. And, and so I, I want to talk to you about understanding this morning what it is that being a disciple means and how we can be a disciple. If you want to follow along in your notes, uh, I have, uh, as always, put the notes digitally. You can get to them through the Church Center app. Uh, you'll have all the verses. You'll have the PDF. You can send it to you if you want to do that. For those of you that like to study afterwards, there's almost always more material than we're able to go through uh, on, on a Sunday morning. Um, and so I encourage you to follow along in that way. You can also, there are pieces of paper in the seat backs in front of you designed for you to take notes. I, I just want to tell you, if you look like you take notes, if you take a pen and scribble everybody else to think you're really paying attention. <laughs> so I encourage you to do that because you'll really then impress the people around you because um, that's really what it's all about is we're just trying to fake everybody else out. If you're not going to take notes, don't write it down. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. When Jesus says, follow me, he is inviting his disciples into a specific kind of relationship 
And it's different than I think many times what we understand uh, as what, what he might mean by follow me. Was I think sometimes when we think about discipleship, we think about following uh, Jesus, we, we think about uh, the, the model of someone going to a teacher and sitting in a class and learning things. And, and that's probably as close of an understanding as we have of what being a disciple means. But when you go back to the ancient uh, Near East, in the time when Jesus was speaking 2,000 years ago, when he said to his disciples, follow me, he was saying something very specific. He was not saying, I'm going to teach you a few things to believe. He was not saying, I'm just going to teach you a different style of life. He was actually inviting them into the kind of relationship that meant they were committed to actually follow him and give themselves to him. And so when, when he said, follow me, basically they said, well, I, they, they quit their job and they turned and they began to follow the rabbi, the rabbi Jesus. And they had this even saying uh, of that, that, that it, they wanted to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. And so in other words, of course, you're walking everywhere. And as you walk, dust is kicked up. Uh, and the only way that you're covered in the dust of the rabbi is that you're walking close enough to him that his dust gets on you. And I don't know why my mic is making noise, but uh, maybe somebody hand me a different mic if, if it keeps making noise. Uh, but if you're not following closely enough to Jesus, then you're, you're never going to actually be, be changed and transformed uh, and, and, and uh, actually begin to look like him. You have the same dust that's on him, uh, that, that, uh, and that, that's how you want to get it on you. Okay, mic change. Okay, so if you're taking notes, here's, here's number one. Discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. Discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. This is what it says in the Amplified Version, Matthew 4, 19. He said to them, follow me, and this is what the Amplified Version adds so that we understand what that means. As my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, he says, follow me as my disciples, Right, so in other words, disciples, they follow the master so closely, they're listening to what he says, they're looking at what he does, so that they can say and do the things that he says. They're actually, they're, they're, their whole goal is to look like the master, to think like the master. And so the goal at the end of the discipleship process is that the student looks like the teacher in this discipleship process. And rabbis would have teachers, they'd have students, they would sit around, they would listen to the teacher's wisdom. And, and this is the, the, the invitation that Jesus is giving to his disciples 2,000 years ago and he's given to us today, that we are invited into this relationship of discipleship so that we are actually becoming like Jesus, so that when we look, so that when people look at us, they don't see just us, they see someone who looks like the rabbi, the rabbi Jesus. So follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master. So in other words, we are slaves. We are not just uh, volunteers. Uh, you know, we're not just, you know, here when it is convenient for us. We are actually now in a relationship of commitment that we don't get to walk away from whenever it's inconvenient for us to follow Jesus. What he says, we do. Where he goes, we go. There, this, this, there's not a question because he's our master. He's our teacher, and we're walking the same path of life that he is walking. So this relationship that I'm talking to you about is not just about learning something. It's not just about getting a little bit more knowledge. It's actually about becoming something. And that's a significant difference because we tend to like to learn things, but being changed and transformed is very, very difficult. It's a whole different process. As Christians, we love to learn more about our faith. And what will happen very frequently is if we're in the church for long enough, we will um, get bored with what we know so far and we'll try to learn some more stuff. And so that's why we like lots of different kinds of Bible studies uh, and we get bored. So like we'll go to a different teacher or preacher or find somebody interesting that's on YouTube and they watch because we like to get intellectually stimulated. We like to learn more things because it makes us feel as if something is actually happening. The problem is, is that knowing more doesn't mean that you're actually changed anymore. All of us have things that we know we shouldn't do and we just keep doing them. 
we know it's not good for us. We know that's not wise. We know, but we just, we like, well, I, don't, don't, don't talk to, I'd rather just not think about it. So the issue is not just knowledge. The issue is what do you do with the knowledge? And being a disciple of Jesus means being so close to him, not just that you know about him, not just that you know what he sounds like, not just that you learn the Christian words. You don't need to impress anybody with Christian words. The question is, is what you're consuming of him? Are you eating the bread of life to the point where it's getting inside of you and it's beginning to change you from the inside out? So there's a transformation process that's happening because a disciple is actually changing. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I, I don't just want to teach you more. I want to change you. I don't want to leave you the same way. I actually want you to confront the deep parts of who you are, and the only way to do that is to go beyond head knowledge and actually go to a place of transformation. But head knowledge is easy. Head knowledge is impressive, right? Head knowledge is something that we can all get a, get a hold of, but when we're actually going to grow and to learn is when we go to another level. And it's, and, and it's easy to say you know something until you've actually been in that situation and been tested. Uh, some years ago, one of our kids, my wife and I, uh, one of our kids uh, was in a major medical uh, issue. We were in the PICU, in the pediatric intensive care unit for a couple of weeks. And we, we didn't know if he was gonna live or die. Many of you in the church prayed for us during that season. It was, an, it was a traumatic moment. In that moment, uh, and, and I'm a pastor at that time, right? And so as a pastor, I have been at the bedside of people who uh, were lo losing kids, who lost kids. I've been at the bedside of, of people who were dying. I've been in the room when people died, prayed through that, all that. So, but it's a whole, isn't it a whole different experience when it's your kid that's there in the bed, the child is broken, you don't know if he's gonna live or die, and you start to go, what am I gonna do with this? A and it was in that moment that then, we were tested as to my, the, the knowledge that I had about experiencing that thing now turned to a knowledge of actually having experienced that thing. And I, and I discovered that there is, in fact, a grace in that moment. There is, in fact, God's presence that's available in that moment, that in the worst moment of your life, that God can actually show up, he will show up, and he will shelter you, and he will walk you through, and he will be with you no matter what. Now, I can say that with confidence today, because I, I, I've been through that, I know that. So when you talk to me and I pray for you, I come from a level of experience that I didn't have just a, a week before, before that. But standing in that was also a test. It was a test of whether or not I actually believed what I said I believed. As a pastor, it's really easy to say, God bless you, God be with you, God will never leave you, God won't forsake you. That's really easy for me to say to you. But now when, when you're dealing with that in your own life, you go, well, wait a second, where's God? Well, did, did he leave me? Well, wh why did this happen to my kid? You know, and we, and we begin to, re so transformation is when we have actually, what comes out of us in that moment is what Jesus actually would want to come out of us. And, and it's when, the, in the crises of life, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we begin to discover whether we have been transformed or not. Many of you are familiar with, with this verse. You've heard it quoted before, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We talk about leaving your burdens at the foot of the cross, right? That's kind of why, where that comes from, comes from this verse. Come to me, Jesus says, anybody who's weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he says this interesting thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, that yoke that he talks about is, uh, is an instrument that's used to train ox. I have a picture of one um, that they're, they're going to put up here, and you see it. This is kind of like an, an ancient tool that was used that they would put the heads of oxen uh, in each of those, and they would yoke them. In other words, they would tie them together so that they couldn't move independently, so that they were united together. And what they would actually do is they would take a mature and trained ox, and they would put him with a young ox and, and lock them together in this yoke so that the mature ox wherever, so the young ox didn't have any choice. 
Mature ox know what to do. It's time to plow. We're going to plow. The young ox just gets dragged wherever the mature ox says. Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go this way. Yeah, we're going to go straight. No, nope, we're going to turn left. And the young ox goes, I don't want to turn left. Too bad. We're going left, right? And because the yoke locks you into a relationship with the master, with the one that's more trained, and it produces an experience that oftentimes is uncomfortable because it's a time of training. It's a time of transformation. Over a period of time, over a period of months and years, that young ox learns how to function, learns, oh, we're supposed to be plowing. Oh, we're supposed to be listening to the guy behind that's directing us. Oh, we have a job to do. And before you know it, the young ox then becomes the mature ox that can train someone else. It's interesting that um, when you measure how much an ox can pull, a, mature, um, a trained mature ox by himself can pull about 5,000 pounds. Uh, a young ox can pull about 2,000 pounds. So that would be 7,000 pounds if you combine them together. But the reality is when you combine the two together, yoked together, they can pull 10,000 pounds. So, so there, it's not just an addition, it's a multiplication. So when Jesus says, listen, this is, this is how you're going to discover what it means for me to carry your burdens. This is how you're going to discover how to get through life with success. This is how you're going to actually encounter me in the midst of the valley of the shadow of the death. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, in other words, get into a relationship with me where it's no longer about what you want, where you want to go, what you want to do, what you want to say, it's no, it's no, that's no longer up to you. He, what Jesus is offering to us is for us to be his disciples, is for us to be in a master-slave relationship where he turns his head, we turn our head. We don't say, oh, I don't know about that, Lord. We just say, yes, sir. Because now we're in a relationship of he's the master, he knows best, and because, our, because we have not been trained, we don't know what's right. Because we have not been trained, we cannot trust our instincts. Because we have not been trained, what feels right to us is often the exact opposite of what we should do. And so he says, no, take my yoke upon you, and what you'll discover is you'll be able, we'll be able together to do so much more. We'll, we'll be able to actually accomplish the purpose that I have in your life and for your betterment. And in that process, you will become mature. And, and what ends up happening in, with a mature, to, to a pair of oxen that are mature, they each can carry 5,000 pounds independently. Together, they can carry 15,000 pounds. So this multiplication thing happens as we're in relationship, this discipleship process with Jesus. So what we're doing is we're following him, we're imitating him, we're, we're seeking to be like him. You remember in, uh, some years ago it was popular to have the WWJD bracelets, right? Nobody can sell them anymore. They're available for about a quarter uh, because they're not popular anymore. You guys can laugh at that. It's okay. I know, I know it wasn't that funny, but see, we're practicing here for, for Pastor Ricky Hemi next week. You know, you guys are so quiet. It's like, you know, just get a little bit engaged here. It's going to be okay. WWJD bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? And everybody's going, what would Jesus do? And, and the reason we ask what would Jesus do is because ultimately he's the one that has the answers. He always has the right instincts. He always has the right answer. And so being a dis in a discipleship relationship with Jesus means that we're following him so closely that whatever he says, we're going to do it. Wherever he goes, we're going to go. We have exchanged our preferences. We have exchanged our future. We have exchanged our life for his life. It's the life exchange, his death for us. And so now in our, in, in, he died in our place. Now we step and we say, Lord, thank you for that. Everything that you desire in my life, I'm giving to you, and I'm going to now give you everything and follow you as closely as I can. So the first thing that we need to know about discipleship is it's about following Jesus. And it's not following when it's convenient. It's not following just because you like it. It's not following when you feel good. It's following no matter what. Secondly, discipleship is a call to fish for people. So discipleship comes with a responsibility or a new job. And so it's not just about, frankly, discipleship is not just about you. 
The follow me invitation comes with a responsibility. It comes with an expectation. Jesus has saved you. He brought you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He's actually given you his Holy Spirit. He's put his stamp and his mark of approval upon you. His righteousness is now yours in Christ Jesus. Everything that you could ever hope for or imagine is yours. You're going to get a ticket to be with him in eternity forever. And all of that comes with a responsibility. There is now a job. You are invited into the project that God is doing on the earth today, and that is fishing for people. So when Jesus says to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, they understood exactly what he was talking about because he was literally talking to fishermen. Right? And so they fished for a living. And so when he said, okay, I'm not, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men now, for human beings. They understood immediately, ah, okay, my, I have a new job. I have a new task. But there must be some similarities to fishing, literally speaking. And the, what, what they knew is that if you're going to fish for fish, you better give the fish what they want when they want it. It does no good to, to offer fish meals that they're not interested in eating. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? And some of you are fishermen and you know. So fly fishermen, for example, if you go fly fishing, I've been told that uh, when, when, uh, when you're fly fishing, you have to use the right kind of fly. Uh, that, and you, you find the fly of the, that represents the thing that is hatching in those, maybe it might just be a few days uh, of time, because the fish only will bite those particular bugs that are hatching at that time. And so you tie flies so that they look exactly like the bait that the fish want to eat, and then you offer it to them in a way that's appetizing and appealing. What Christians like to do is we oftentimes will like to say, well, I'm just telling them the truth and drop the mic. That's not fishing. I mean, I, that doesn't work for good. I mean, that's, I've tried that before, right? That's basically how I fish. Here's a piece of hot dog. And you, you don't like it? Stupid fish. <laughs> I don't even know what's good for you. The reality is, right, you have to make it appealing. You have to offer it in a way that makes the fish desire to eat it. And, and so Jesus came in the fullness of grace and truth. Grace and truth are combined. Truth by itself is not wrapped in a way that is attractive. And, and, and so very oftentimes you will be unsuccessful in promoting your faith to others. Why? Because you have offered them truth without anything attractive about it. I remember P.V. John from India, uh, he used to say that the gospel, Jesus always wrapped the gospel in a sandwich. He always offered to people the, the reality, recognizing they had a need, and, and then offering to them to meet that need, and, and isn't it something wonderful to have that, that not only am I going to meet your practical need, but I'm going to offer to you something that is of eternal value, that will change your destiny forever. You have been invited into a relationship with the King of Kings that will result in eternity now that is yours. But so often we just get an attitude. And instead of being willing to learn the skill of fishing for our friends and for our neighbors, we either just give up completely and never share our faith, or we think we're doing good just because we tell them what they need to know. And we just drop the truth on them. Boom, truth bomb. Hope you get it figured out. Jesus said, no, no, I, I'm, I'm inviting you to become a fisher of men. I'm inviting you to, to grow in the skill of fishing. Our, our, our book for this month, and we're ordering more copies because we're almost sold out, uh, but we do a book of the month. And for the summer, actually, we're doing this book called Bless. It's five everyday ways to love your neighbor and change the world. And this book is, is essentially about the idea of how we as followers of Christ are designed to be a blessing to the world. That, that, that's our primary job. Our primary job is to be a blessing to others. And if you begin to understand that you are designed to be a blessing to others, you begin to pray into that, you begin to pray for your unsaved friends and neighbors and family, those people that are, are the people that you know that are around you, that, and you begin to build a relationship with them, and your goal is to be a blessing to them, what you'll discover is that God will give you opportunities to share your faith. 
He will actually open the door. So many times we feel so much pressure. Uh, you know, when, when somebody like me says, you have to share your faith because Jesus tells us to make us fishers of men, we feel so much, well, what, how am I going to do that? I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm just going to feel, I don't have the answers. I feel so stupid. I feel so, and, and so we're frozen and we're unable to move forward. And, and this is like, hey, remember, this thing that Jesus called us into is powered, first of all, by the Holy Spirit. It's not powered by how smart you are. It's not powered by how good a witness you are, a testimony you are. It's powered by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you begin to, innate, to engage the Holy Spirit in prayer for friends and neighbors, you begin to see those relationships as ones of value, and you begin to pour into them life and goodness, you'll be surprised at how when you move into spiritual conversations and arenas that the Lord has set it up for you, that he has actually put things in to play already, and we just get to be a part of it. Because we don't save anybody to begin with. We don't do the work to begin with. But if we're not a part of the process, if we're not doing what we need to do, if we're not being fishers, then we're going to miss the opportunity. And, and I just, confession time, the reason we're reading this book is because this pastor needs to be better at this. I suck at this. I can't say that word. I stink at this. <laughs> I stink at this, right? Because, uh, I mean, I'm great at giving an altar call. In a few minutes, I'll, I'll pray for you guys. And, and some of you who, who are ready to receive the Lord probably will receive the Lord. Uh, and that's, that is an incredible thing that I get to be a part of as a pastor. And, uh, and, but when I go into the community and I'm having conversations with people, just everyday people, it's very difficult for me to, to begin to have spiritual conversations with them. Now, I have people coming to me all the time that are asking me spiritual questions, right? They're coming to me as a pastor. But in terms of me actually being an adequate fisherman in my everyday life, I'm lousy at it. I'm going to get better, though, because I'm called to be a fisherman. I'm going to grow in this. I'm going to learn how to pray differently. I'm going to learn how to engage in conversations differently. I'm going to learn how to become someone who's effective uh, at sharing their faith. And so I want to invite you into that process because that's what we're called to do. We actually have a new project. Our project in life is not to make money and to live a comfortable life. Our project in life is to partner with Jesus to fill heaven with as many souls as possible. And I, I tell you what, the reason why Jesus has not come back to the earth is because he is waiting for you and me to be a part of his project because he is delaying his return to see as many souls in heaven as possible. He wants heaven full of people. He loves humanity. He loves his sons and daughters. And we are now invited into this thing that is of eternal consequence. It's not just about this life and what we can gain and the cars and, and the toys and the stuff that we can do. It's eternal things. It's people that are all around us. God, help us become fishers of men. Help us, Lord, actually begin to see other people, not as obstacles in our way, but as opportunities to be a blessing in their life. Help us to see those people that are around us as ones that you love, God, that you're invested in, and then you want me to be invested in. That's what it means to be a disciple. So a disciple is one who follows Jesus. A disciple is one who fishes for people. And thirdly, a disciple is a call to fellowship with other believers, fellowship with other believers. Now that it, in the verse, it doesn't say fellowship, but this is implied. The reason why it's implied is because when Jesus called his disciples, he called them into a group. So when Matthew said, when Jesus said to Matthew, come and follow me, Matthew had to come in and he was stuck with Peter and John. This was not a solo process. This was a group process. And, and I don't know about you, but Americans, we tend to not like group things. We like individual things. And especially when it comes to our faith, don't, 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 don't just, this is just me, this is me and Jesus. This is my, I got my own faith, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to be with other people, this is just me and the Lord. But the reality is that discipleship is and always has been a group project. It's not a solo project. I don't know about you, I, hate, I hated group projects in school. I hated them, Right? Because you got to be with these people, half of them are not going to do their work, and then Andrew's going to do the work, or, you know, just, but a group project is what we're invited into in this relationship with Jesus. We don't get to do this by ourselves. It is designed, actually, to be something that forces you into relationship. And I don't know if you have noticed, but there are a lot of weird people at Koinonia. I don't know if you have noticed. When you get in a small group, 
right? And we, said, and we just talked about small groups this morning. We're always saying small groups are important because small groups are one of the ways that you, one of the most important ways you can grow in your faith. You get into a group. You get, you'll get into a small group, you will meet some weird people. <laughs> you'll think, man, I, I, I don't know about that person. I'm, I, I actually, frankly, I, I don't know that I like that person. I don't, I, that person rubs me the wrong way. That person always has the right thing to say to really tick me off. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how the church is full of people that really are odd and strange and they're ones that you wouldn't pick to hang out with. And that's exactly why you're supposed to hang out with them. Because Jesus is invested in actually changing you. There's a reason they rub you the wrong way. You got some stuff that you need to deal with. They got some, they, you, got, you have some stuff inside that Jesus needs to transform. There's a reason they irritate you so much. There's a reason why they could just say one thing. And you'd rather stay at home because of that. Why? Because actually Jesus has given you an opportunity to take him seriously at his word that he wants to transform you from the inside out. And until that person no longer bothers you, then there's some work to do, buddy. There, there's some things that need to happen in your life. This is what Acts 2.42 says. Uh, and they devoted, speaking of the disciples, this is after uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. This is the early church. It says the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? to learning from the apostles what the, what they, because they were teaching what Jesus taught them, to the fellowship, which is fellowship of believers, gathering together, being together, to the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread refers to communion, but not only to communion, right? We, we, we received communion this morning together, uh, and that's part of the breaking of, the, of bread. But what really breaking of bread is, is spending time together and eating together. And the problem is, is that a lot of times Americans... Um, today, in today's culture, we have organized our life in a way that avoids social encounters, especially with people that we are uncomfortable with. I, I just, and, and so we, we don't break bread together anymore, in other words. We, we don't go out to eat together anymore, except with just our, our really close friends. That's why yo doy gracias a los hispanos, porque ellos conocen muy bien cómo festejar. Conocen, vamos a, a tener tacos juntos. That's why I say thank you to God for our Hispanic brothers and sisters because they know how to get together. They know how to break bread. They're going to make some carne asada. We're going to have some good times together. We're going to have some tacos. It's time for us to once again remember that breaking bread is an essential part of who we are as followers of Christ. It's time for you to invite each other out after after church to go to go eat. We don't do that anymore. Why didn't we don't? We used to do that all the time when I grew up in the church. It was a Sunday tradition to go out to eat together. Invite somebody over to your house. Get to know a new couple. Get to know some friends. Gather together, not just with the people that you like, not just with the people that you're comfortable with. Stretch yourself a little bit more. Understand that you're called to the body of believers, to fellowship. You're actually called to this family. This is your family. Get used to it, right? I mean, remember, it's like you're putting those two kids together in that one t-shirt, those two kids that won't get along, right? We're going to put you in one t-shirt. We're going to stick you in the bathroom, close the door until you figure out how to hug it out, until you figure out how to love one another. It's time for us to get with this program of understanding this is the body of Christ. These are my brothers and sisters. This is the ground, the training ground that we need. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We're going to be sandpaper, and we're going to polish one another. We're going to bless one another. We're going to minister to one another. This is what it means to be a disciple. It's not a solo thing. You don't get to be a follower of Christ and not like his wife. His bride is the church. His bride is the people in the house. His bride is the people that are messed up, that you don't like, that they say the wrong things, that for some reason, whatever, that is his bride. And I tell you what, if somebody likes me, but they don't like my wife, let's not hang out. So it's time for us to once again embrace, embrace the understanding of the fellowship is what we're called to a believer. So this is the breaking of bread and the prayers. I invited you to prayer on Friday morning. Remember, 6.30 a.m. you could be here. God is alive at 6.30 a.m. You can do it. So here, here's the summary. Discipleship is relationship. Discipleship is relationship. It's relationship with God. It's relationship with God's people right, his church, and it's relationship with lost people, 
That, that, that's what discipleship is. It's, it's this process of, of growing in relationship, or growing in relationship with God, with his people, and also with lost people. Now let me just make the caveat that when I say that you need to maintain and continue to build relationships with lost people, I'm not giving you an excuse to go to the bar and tell your spouse, babe, I'm going out to minister to some lost people tonight. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus has, in fact, sent us into the world. We are called to the world, but we are not of the world, right? And so we're not looking for excuses to be involved in what the world is involved in, but we had better be looking for excuses to build relationships to invite others into the family, the family of God. This last analogy I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, when it comes to being a disciple, true discipleship is the difference between a foundation and a facade, True discipleship is the difference between having a solid foundation or having a good-looking facade. Now, a foundation, of course, is the base on which a structure rests. It's, it's that thing that everything weighs upon, and if the foundation is not solid, if the solid rock is not there, then we know, and we've seen pictures of it, what happens in earthquakes. We see what pictures happen when things fall. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, angelic hosts are arriving. <laughs> Hallelujah. I guess it's time for me to be over. Time for me to be done. <laughs> okay. A facade, you know what a facade is? It's the front of the building. It's the pretty part of the building, right? But oftentimes a facade is just an inch deep or a half an inch deep. And it's very easy for it to, 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 to fade and to, and to crack and, and to fall away. And if we're going to become real disciples, we have to understand that what we're seeking to build is a foundation that's on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Uh, it's not about the facade of how you look and how you talk. You can impress people for, you can impress anybody for a little while. Right? You can impress people on Sunday morning. You can dress right. You can talk right. You can clean up your mouth for a few minutes. You, know. you can do this or that. I mean, but that's all facade stuff. I mean, the reality is, is that it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. Now, if you change the inside, the outside's going to change. But the, the Christianity, the discipleship we're talking about is an inside-out process, not an outside-in process. But there's, there's not a, we're, we're not being conformed by the world. We're not being conformed by the church, forced to be a certain way. I was talking with a, a brother in Christ uh, just this, a couple days ago, and he was telling me, I finally found freedom when I understood that God loved me with the unique person that I was, that I didn't have to start, I didn't have to keep acting like someone else. I didn't have to keep acting like my other, you know, my, these other Christians that I thought were so impressive. And he says, when I, when I finally freed myself of that, I discovered that God loves me and, and I can really be the kind of person that he's called me to be. That's a, that was a beautiful thing. It's, it's time for, that's foundational for us versus being just trying to clean up the outside. Jesus Christ is our foundation. And the foundation is what everything is based upon. When the question is, when you start to remove pieces of your foundation, you discover what you really are based upon. So because many times we build our life on Jesus and something. We combine Jesus with something. And it's all good until that something is removed. It's all good until that something is taken away. Now, I might think Jesus is my foundation, but when I hit rough water, then I really discover if he's my foundation or not. I've seen people who've been in the church following Christ for years and years and years uh, from what I would think a true disciple uh, and, and, and putting their whole faith in Jesus Christ and seeing them go through difficult situations. I remember a person lost everything financially. It so shook their faith that even to this day they're not sure whether or not God loves them, whether or not God is real, uh, what, what's going on. Somehow they got twisted that, that, and combined financial security with Jesus. And we, and we do that all the time. There's things in our life. What, what, if, what if things really start to break down in your life? So what if your, your spouse divorces you? And wait, wait a second, we had a great marriage. We, 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 we were based on Jesus Christ. God says he's going to take care of everything. He's going to work everything out. What happens when things are not working out? Do you suddenly go, well, I guess, I guess Jesus is not real. I guess my faith is... So foundationally what we have to do is we have to keep putting our roots down deep 
with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me, this is the final verse for you, Luke 14, 27. This is what Jesus says, and now the angels can begin to sing if you really want to put that music on. Whoever does not bear, this is the verse, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot, me, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, the cross is the method of execution. Jesus carries his own cross, and that's, that's the thing that he is going to die upon. And the invitation that Jesus gives to you and he gives to me is to bear our own cross. That is, to bear the means of execution in our life, death to sin and death to self. That we are carrying this thing of saying, it's not my way, it's your way. It's not what I want, God, it's what you want. It's not what I think is right, it's what you think is right. It's not what my opinion is, Lord, it's not what my preference is, it's not the things that I think are great. God, it's what you want, it's what you're about, it's what you say, and I'm going to die to myself by your power and by your grace, and I'm going to carry my cross because that is the real way to transformation. That's the real way of discipleship, is to go to the cross, right? He, he has given his life for us. He went to the cross to die so that we might have life. How do we gain out of the cross? We die to ourselves. We die to sin. We die to our flesh so that we might have life. The question for us is, are we taking our job as a disciple seriously? Are we actually engaged in this discipleship process? Or are we following at a distance? Have we made the mistake of thinking it's a, it's a solo thing, it's a, something that I'll do when it's convenient, I'll, I'll do it on Sunday mornings, or are you willing to exchange your life for his life? Are you yoked to the master? Would you just bow your heads, and I want to pray for you, I want to pray for a couple of groups, but very quickly I just want to pray for you this morning. If as I have been speaking, you in your heart, you just have been feeling the Lord speak to you about following and, and there, maybe there's some things that are out of alignment in your life when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus. Maybe there's some things that, that, that you've been doing or that you've been involved in. There's some things that you've been holding on to. There's some unforgiveness that you've been willing to, to let go of. There, there, there's some disobedience that you, that you have continued to grasp. And today the invitation is simply to agree with the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm going to deal with that. Yes, Lord, I'm going to deal with that. I was talking with somebody recently, and the Lord spoke to them about getting some stuff out of their house that, they needed, that, they, that was in their house that they needed to get rid of. I mean, it was valuable, it was worth money, but they knew it was not of God, and the Lord was telling them, it wasn't a man, the Lord was telling them, get rid of it. What is it that the Lord desires from you this morning? What is, what is he asking you when he says, follow me? Maybe it's about taking, sharing your faith seriously. Maybe it's about walking away from a relationship that's not right so that you can be in full relationship with him. Whatever that is this morning, I just want to pray for you. If you just raise your hand, if that's the Lord speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, you're saying, and by raising your hand, you're saying, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm going to walk close, more closely. I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be obedient, Lord. I'm saying yes to that thing that you're asking me to do. Lord, for every hand that's raised right now, in the name of Jesus, we just ask that you would, by your power and by your grace, enable them to continue to say yes to you. Enable them, Lord, enable us to walk more closely to you, to give the things up that we need to give up, to, to do the thing that is difficult that you're asking us to do. Lord, we just pray by the power of your Spirit that you would make us uh, able to do the things that you've called us to do, to carry the cross that you've called us to, to carry. Lord, for every disciple even that's raising their hand, Lord, we just pray that you would inspire them to look more and more like you. In the name of Jesus. We'll just go ahead and put your hands down just for a moment. I want to pray for one more group. Keep your uh, heads bowed, if you would, and your eyes closed. If you're here and you don't follow Jesus, if you're not a disciple of Christ, uh, and you know that that's true, but you want to be, you're saying, you know what? I've never given, I, I even maybe didn't have that understanding of what it meant to be a disciple, being yoked to Jesus. But today I am stepping into that. I want that. I want freedom. I want to walk in a new way. I want transformation. I want the bread of life to be my portion. If that's you and you want to say yes to that today, I want to pray for you. And so I just want you to raise your hand so I can do that. If there's anyone here today that needs to make that decision, I see that hand. Just raise those hands up high so I can see them. Yes, yes. 
You're saying, yes, I need to be a disciple. I need to follow. I'm making a decision today. Jesus, would you, would you save me? Would you take me and, and put your yoke upon me? Would you begin now to, to build this thing into me of transformation and new life? Yes, I see those hands. Go ahead and put those hands down just for a second. One more group I'm going to ask. If you have been away from the Lord and you've been walking on your own way, you know that you're a prodigal. You know what that means. You've walked away from the Lord and done your own thing, but today he's calling you back and you're saying, yep, I, I, I'm going to come back, Lord. Would you raise your hand? You're just saying, I'm coming back. Anybody here? Yep, yep, come back, I'm coming back. Awesome. Everyone stand up to your feet. I want to pray for those that have raised their hand this morning. And I'm going to invite you, if you raise your hand, uh, to be a disciple for the first time or to come back to Christ, I'm going to invite you just to come down right here because we want to pray for you. And I've got some prayer teams that are going to come and pray for you. But this is an important thing because what we're talking about is a life exchange. Just come right now if you would. A life exchange where you're giving your life for his life. And you're saying, I want to be yoked to Jesus. I'm, I'm walking away by his power, by his grace from the old life and I'm coming in into the new life. Yeah, come on down. Come on down right here, guys. As they do that, uh, I just want to ask you, and we do this often, if you would turn to your neighbor and would you say to them, seriously speaking, not bullying, do you need to go down? If so, I'll go with you. And then make your way down if they do. Go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. Come down here. Come on. Come right here. Anybody else? Come on down. Come on down, guys. something encouraging about someone saying, I'll go with you, right? They, it gives you a little bit more courage, gives you a little bit more uh, ability. Come on over here, guys. We're going to pray for you right now because this moment is a moment of encounter. This moment is a moment when God is here to, to meet with you, right? And I'm, I'm going to pray for you, and then we've got a prayer team that's going to come around you. Even right now, some of them will come and just put their sh- hands on your shoulders, and then we pray for you because we believe that right now in this moment, what God is doing is he is bringing you from one place into another place. There is a transformation that's, that's happening even right now. So church, would you just extend your hands right now towards this group of people? Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your encounter today. Thank you for your power today. Thank you, Lord, that you are meeting with your children today. And God, we right now, we just exchange by faith. We don't even fully know maybe what it means, but we just are reaching out for your life. By faith, we're asking that your death that you gave, that broke sin and broke the power of darkness, that you would come and you would give us life and wholeness and vitality. Lord, we're asking for the fullness of the Spirit right now to come. Lord, even as we walk away from that old life and step into the new life, we're coming into the power of your sacrifice, the blood that was shed for us that washed away sin. So, Lord, for every person that's up here, whether for the first time or for a renewed commitment, Lord, would you encounter them right now? Jesus, we just pray that this would be a before and after moment, that something would shift and would change, that, that God, that they would leave this place with a, a fresh energy, with a fresh anointing, with a fresh power power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would guard and protect them. We pray for transformation in their lives. We pray for their family, that their family would be impacted. Lord, even from those that are standing up here right now, Lord, I see them going home and sharing what happened today and that their family saying, I want that. I want in. I pray that this would be the beginning of something new and something fresh. Thank you, Lord, that you're the one who adds to your house. Thank you that you're the one, Lord, that invites us into that follow me discipleship relationship. Would you now seal them in your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can join us in person on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or online at the same times, including Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m visit our website at kchanford.com. Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.